0: a series that we started about a month ago called follow and I want to start off with a story about seven or eight years ago um, one of my pastor friends invited me to a meeting and at this meeting there was a man from Egypt he was a Christian he had undergone much persecution um, you know because of the nature of the religious uh, activity and uh, predominantly Muslim in Egypt and he was he was a passionate, on fire believer for Jesus Christ. He, I mean, he just loved Jesus. And he came and did some ministry locally here in Syracuse. But when he was speaking to the pastors, he said something I will never ever forget. He he shared he shared some things, and then uh, there was someone who asked a question, and the question was something like this: What would you say to? American pastors and the American church and without hesitation he said this he said this he said the church needs to wake up the church is a sleeping giant the world is waiting for America to take their place as as the church that is sending as the church that is influencing as the church that it used to be the church in America needs to wake up there are people crying out and praying for America throughout the world that we would get back to the place that we once were. And I'll never forget that. The words wake up. Uh, today I want to talk to you as we continue this series on the topic of it's time to live. It's time to live. We In this series we've been talking, it's really been a very uh, challenging and hard series in the sense that we've been covering topics like um, we need to die to our sinful nature. We need, to, we need to learn how to follow God His way and not our way. We need to um, let His will be done in our lives. And it's, it's very challenging at the core of who we are when we want to grow in God. Because I believe in our heart of hearts, if I asked every one of you individually, uh, if I asked you how many truly want to be a follower of Jesus, Probably everyone in this room would say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. But for some of us, we just don't know what that looks like. For others, we're more influenced by the culture that we live in than what, uh, what the Word of God says and how, how God portrayed, how Jesus himself portrayed what a true follower is. And so um, we've been talking about dying. I'm not really into talking about death a lot, you know what I mean? Uh, so today I want to talk about it's time to live. because that's the truth you know if you look at the scriptures every time there's a death uh, as it relates to what Jesus was communicating related to his disciples there was a resurrection you know it's true we need to die to our old ways but there's a resurrection there's a bringing back to life that he calls every believer to I, I don't want you to miss this this is so important because I don't think we realize how much god values us and who we are and who he's called us to be and so a church that's going to be effective is not going to be a zombie church you know i'm just a dead man walking you know and uh i have no life i'm 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 like a robot i do this and that i have no personality i'm i'm not dynamic in any way i mean the world that's not going to be attractive to the world it's time to live And so I want to talk to you about this today um, because, listen, we know how to die, but some of us don't know how to live. It's time that we learn how to live and what this looks like. And so today, um, as we finish this series, I want to start off by pointing out this, that God God has his expression through faith through his followers. In an idealistic sense, when people look at us, they see Jesus. They get they get a hint of who the Father is, especially if they don't if they don't know anything about Christianity. When when they look at the followers of Jesus, they're supposed to see Jesus himself. That's why when we if we could put up that the graphic for this series, that's why we did a mosaic the reality is to see Jesus, you see him through the followers that call him Lord and Savior. Right? We see Jesus through the people who express Jesus well. You understand that? I love Mosaics, and I, uh, I want everyone to see Jesus, you know? But it's really when when we talk about people seeing who God is and and being a reflection of the father it comes down to my life and your life right it comes down to how we reflect our God well just like Jesus he says I've come to reveal the father I've I've revealed them I've revealed you to them father Jesus came to reveal the father to a lost and dying world up until that point the perspective of the, of the father was this, this harsh, judgmental God that's angry, you know? But Jesus changed heaven's attitude toward mankind. Jesus changed by taking our punishment, by bearing our sin. He changed heaven's attitude. And, and the reality is because of what he did for us, um, I, can, I can proudly and gladly and boldly say that heaven is smiling down upon us. But if we're living like, uh, if we're living our lives like pre-Jesus, you know, we're living in fear, we're living in condemnation, we're living in guilt and shame, we're not living free, we're not reflecting the Father well. I, I want you to understand this. This is, this is so important for us to, to grab hold of. The goodness of God must be seen through God's followers to a lost and dying world. When we leave this place, the goodness of God must be seen through us, in our homes. How else will our prodigal sons and daughters or our our prodigal brothers and sisters or or people that never knew God, if they look at us, do they see Jesus? It's time to live. It's, It's time to be alive again. And the reality is this. It's impossible to see him truly for who he is, unless we are free, right? Unless we've experienced breakthrough, unless we've become whole, unless we've been healed. You understand? I want you to, okay, are you with me or not? Is this, does this make sense? So, so the world, when we walk out of the door, we can do church really good, you know? We can sing, we can praise, we can dance, we can shout. But when we walk out of the doors of this place, the world needs to see Jesus. They, the world needs to encounter him and the only way they're going to encounter him is through us. I want this to make sense. I want this to sink in. They're not going to encounter him apart from us unless su- some supernatural event, which it does happen. Supernatural events happen. You know, uh, I've shared stories of Muslim, Muslims having dreams of a man in white turning their lives to him and all that stuff. But that, I mean, that's not the norm. The norm is a, a Christian demonstrating the love and the power of God to people you know God God doesn't typically circumvent relationships and so as as we uh, close up this this um, series it's time for us to live and understand that um, you know I, I would say I would venture to say that the when, when people look at God's people, Christians, they probably think more about what they stand against than what they stand for. You know? What they're always uh, fighting against, what, what rules they're trying to enforce. And, and the reality is, sometimes that doesn't portray a beautiful picture of God to the world. Mahatma Gandhi said this a very famous quote. He said, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And that's, I I don't say that condemningly. I say that it's time to live. It's time for us to come alive in God. It's time for us to discover who we are, what he's done for us, and begin to walk in that. You know? Uh, The world needs to see something different. And so um, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John 10, 10. I just want to use this, this is a passage that I want to launch from because it's such a powerful passage. It's, it's Jesus, he's in the, the context of the shepherd and the sheep, and, and, um, and he's talking about how he is the good shepherd. And it says here in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, And we focused a lot about on that statement. You know, I mean, in church circles, there's there's a very good understanding. Many people understand what the thief comes to do. But Jesus goes on to say, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Your translation may say life and life more abundantly. I've come that they might have the abundant life. Um, Various translations say it a different way. But I think it's important for us to get a hold of what that means. Because I know if I ask 10 Christians, what is the abundant life? And are you living it? What is life to the full to you? And are you experiencing it? I would get 10 answers or responses as to what that life is. What is that life? What what is what is life to the full? Because if we don't know what we're supposed to be living or what Jesus' purpose for him to come was... How are we going to step into that? And I want to just touch upon that for a moment. I actually did a little bit of work and found uh, some uh, some of this verse broken down into the Greek. Um, I will say before I get into that, that his perspective is probably a little bit different than our perspective about the abundant life or life to the full. His perspective is probably a little bit uh, uh more heavenly-minded, more, more uh, spiritually focused than ours is. You know, I, I think it's easy to think, uh, man, the abundant life is I'm driving the nice car. I'm living in the nice house. Uh, I have all the stuff that I want. And I don't, I don't really believe that that was Jesus' primary focus. It doesn't mean you can't drive a nice car, but that's not why he came. You understand? That's not why he came. And so, hey, if you have a nice car or you want to get a nice car, drive a nice car. That's great. But Jesus' purpose for us to have life to the full is is a little bit different. So I want to I wanna share that with you um, because I think when we think of abundance, we can think of wealth, power, position, uh, things like that. And, and if you are involved in watching TV or, in, or check out social media a lot, that portrays uh, it can, it can, uh, fix our mindset on something that's apart from what Jesus's purpose was too, you know, because, uh, it could portray the abundant life as like having your body look a certain way, you know, having the right kind of people around you, drinking the right beverage, the adult, the right adult beverage depends on the commercial you see, you know, uh, the more popular you are, the, the more people choose this drink, um, you know, uh, hanging with the right crowd. But listen, the abundant life is not tied to what you drink, what you drive, or who's around you. This is this is how the Greek breaks down. It's uh, So he says, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. So um, those words they might have carry the idea of to have and continually possess. So it's not a one-time experience. This... This life to the full that he's going after for us, that he's made possible for us, that he's purposed for us, that he desires for us to walk in. It's to have and continually possess. I've come that you would have it and continually possess the kind of life that I've brought and made possible to you. The word life is the Greek word zoe. It it carries the idea. It suggests a life that is filled filled with vitality. It's filled with vitality. And the word abundant, interestingly, is to be above and beyond what is regular or extraordinary. So this is not just abundance. It's superabundance. You know, it's, 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 it's above and beyond what is normal. Okay, so if you were to put those words together and, and uh, make up a statement based upon the meanings of the Greek words, it would say something like this. But I came that they may have, keep, and constantly retain a vitality, a gusto, a vigor, and a zest for living that springs up from deep down inside of them. It goes on to say, I came that they might embrace this unrivaled, unequaled, matchless, incomparable, richly loaded, and overflowing life to the ultimate maximum. Come on. Jesus is good. Doesn't that sound good? I mean... He he is really into uh, making sure that you have this life to the full. He's he's really into making sure that uh, spiritually speaking, which let me just say something. Spiritually speaking, flows into the rest of our life, emotionally, uh, materially, health. It flows into the rest of our life, but his primary purpose was in the spiritual sense. So his his offer. abundant life if you look in the context of the sheep and the shepherd which is what he's talking about in john chapter 10 um, this offer of abundant life means that we must remain close to the shepherd jesus and it means also that we must be able to hear his voice and follow him you know he he says in those passages uh, another shepherd they do not follow they know my voice and they follow me so this is, there's, some, there's some context that, that fits into this whole thing that helps us understand uh, what he's talking about. He goes on to say that he is the good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's, he's good. He's been good to us. And I can't help but think when I read about the word shepherd about Psalm 23. Psalm 23 talks about the Lord as being a shepherd, right? I'm going to read that to you real quick. It says in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Isn't that powerful? I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. It speaks of rest. See, to me, the abundant life would include rest. It would be we rest in the Lord. We rest from worry. We rest from stress and anxiety because The reality is, uh, the thing about rest is that we can be restful because we know God's got this, right? When we stress, when we're anxious, when we worry, it means that I've got to do something to make it happen. And he's saying, with the Lord as our shepherd, I'm not going to lack anything, and I can rest. So it speaks of rest there. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside Quiet waters. Now, I, I'm a fisherman, so to me, quiet waters is a is a refreshing place. I actually, I when I go fishing, I, I come back, and it's sort of like my my place to just unwind, to unload, to free my mind, to focus on God, focus on catching fish, you know. Uh, but it's refreshing, and I think. Really, when you look at this 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 uh, text here, the quiet waters is just a peaceful, refreshing place. This is what our Father, the shepherd, is doing for us. And I believe firmly this is a part of the, the abundant life. It goes on to say, uh, he res- refreshes or restores my soul. He restores my soul. Do you know through life, I mean, we could get battered up through life. We could get beaten down. We could get broken. We get hurt. People hurt us. Our expectations, when they're not fulfilled, sometimes we get hurt. Um, you know, sometimes we're victims uh, of someone else's aggression. Uh, there's any kind of thing that would cause us to be wounded. Sometimes it's through our upbringing. We, get, we feel like we're not loved. We carry rejection. We carry issues like that. And it says here that he restores my soul. It brings brings healing. The, The goodness of God brings healing and restoration to our soul. That's powerful. It goes on to say, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And it speaks of righteousness, the right paths. Even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In essence, there's, there's protection as we go through life. You know, we all go through the valley at some point. We all go through places that we wouldn't personally choose to go through. Things happen, uh, you know, problems, we face problems. Work problems, relationship problems, you know, financial problems, educational problems. But he says, I'm going to be with you. I, I'm going to be with you in that. And the cool thing is that we don't have to fear. You know, fear can be crippling. Fear can, fear can be paralyzing to the body of Christ. And he wants us to know that, listen, He is his presence is supposed to take away our fear. And our trust in him is supposed to, for us, take away our fear. So I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's in essence, a, a shepherd would use those things to correct and, and guide their sheep. In a, and, and so God, through his voice, wants to guide us. He wants to, he wants to direct our steps. In verse 5, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's, that to me speaks of victory. There's, there's victory over the battles, the people that are opposed to us, the things that are opposed to us. Even the devil, right? There's a, there's, the abundant life comes with victory because Jesus is the victor, right? <laughs> Jesus is the one. He's, he fights our battles for us. He, he goes before us. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You think of the goodness of God. You know, uh, uh, it's just the, what he's put in us is overflowing. It's meant to overflow out of us. And I will, oh, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the lord forever and so here's the shepherd he's jesus in john chapter 10 is given this analogy of a good he's a good shepherd and it points back to psalm 23 what this what does a shepherd do he takes care of his sheep and god wants to take care of you he wants you to know that he's got it whether you trust him or not he's he's got it he's got you in his hands he's He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to take care of you. And sometimes we want to, you know, we give Jesus the wheel, take control, Lord, and we just take it back. We're like, come on. I'll, come on. I'll, ta- I'll take this back. I'll take control. Let me take control of my life. But to live the abundant life, it's God in control. He leads. We follow. That's supposed to be comforting. But well, for some of us control freaks, it's not comforting. It freaks us out, right? If you're a control freak, you're freaking out. You know, oh yeah, it's not supposed to be my will, my way. It's supposed to be his. But I don't really trust him yet. I mean, what if he does this and he's supposed to do this? And that's all part of the process of learning to walk with him. Listen to me. It's not like flipping the switch and one day you're, you're in complete and total control of your life and it's chaotic You give your life to Jesus and then all of a sudden everything uh, transitions over to his leadership and you're totally submitted. You're you're totally hearing his voice. You're totally walking in his ways. It is a process. We're growing to be more like Jesus. You understand? Uh, Don't use the word process as an excuse. Sometimes we do. But it's also it also should be pointed out that we should not use it as a way to judge. That someone's not where they should be at. Or if someone's not, uh, you know, they're, they're not perfect yet. So we point the finger. Listen to me. The abundant life is that we're walking in the goodness of God. We realize it. We trust him. We, we, we see his blessing on our lives. So when we're talking about this, um, this abundant life, there's a couple things that we, we should know. That's this, that, um, it's okay. It's okay. The, abu- the abundant life, or life to the full, that we, that we experience in God, Is totally transforming to the world around us. This is why Jesus could say, I mean, Matthew chapter 5 is part of what some would call the greatest sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the beginning, pretty much the beginning, verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this He said, You're the salt of the earth. Now, when we talk about salt, He says, well, Jesus says this, he says, and, and, you know, when the salt loses its flavor, it's worthless and should be trampled underfoot. And that's pretty much how we, you know, we, we look at salt, it's a preservative, it was meant to preserve meat um, back in the day, and the church is the salt of the earth, and traditionally speaking, we're, we're here to preserve the earth so people don't go to hell. And that's, you know, there's some validity to that, but we also forget, I don't know about you, but when I use salt, I use it to flavor something, right? It adds, it adds flavor, salt adds flavor, and I don't think we understand, humanly speaking, how, how much God has made us unique to add flavor to the world we live in. It's time to live listen to me we are not robots we were created unique there's not another person like you thank God we, we were we were created to be unique listen and in the salt listen salt is sprinkled think about when 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 as the salt of the earth being sprinkled across our city in our homes we, we add flavor we add we, we release the goodness of God. We make something that's not tasteful become tasteful because of what God has done for us. We, 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 add, we add something that is good. Listen to me. Walking around murmuring and complaining and talking about your church family is not adding something that's good. But when you truly encounter God and walk in that, listen to me. There's so many amazing things that flow out of that. There's love. You know, we we learn to love people. We we learn to be generous and kind, right? We we go from hopelessness to hope. We're we're called to be the salt of the earth, to to add flavor. We have something to offer, right? We have something to offer. We, We have something to release that's good. He goes on to say, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill. uh, 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 You know, you're a city set on a hill. And we don't want to cover that light. And it gets the picture, if you can imagine in your mind for a moment, uh, of a city on a hill that people are coming up out of the valley. It's drawing them to something, right? It's it's the thing that that gives some direction to to their path. It leads them to a place, right? A, a city set on a hill when the entire valley's dark. See, people are living in darkness. Jesus first said, I am the light of the world. But then he said, no, you, I am, but also you are too. You're the light of the world. And, and I think sometimes we think that or we focus so much on the goal of the gospel, which is definitely what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. But, but there's also this, this thing about the light being attractive. You understand? When, when we're living this, this God-filled, infused life, it's attractive. It draws people to it. Listen to me. What kind of broken marriage uh, in the world would not, be, uh, would not be positively influenced by your marriage of 50 years? You understand? Like, wow, how did you do that? Would you would you tell me tell me some of your secrets? That's attractive. Your, your kids are so amazing. And I'm just I'm so lost in how I raised my kids. That is a light. People come to the light. We have something to offer. You're, you're so wise in finances. You know, I mean, behind the scenes, you just say, I'm just I'm just using biblical principles, financial principles, but they're like, It's amazing. How how do you do? Listen, the light draws people out of darkness. The light draws people to God, right? Because if God's God has worked in us, then we allow Him to be an attraction in us to people that need Him. You understand? It's time to live. I think it's time for us to begin to realize that we have something to offer. So many times the devil's like, look at you. Look at your, you know, you've got all this stuff. You've got all this baggage. You've got all this, you know, all these things happen to you. You've got this history. You have nothing. No, that's a lie. It's time to live. It's time to begin to step into the realm of who God called us to be. We are light. He goes on to say in Matthew 5, 16, he says, um, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Let it shine. Why? So they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not talking about standing on a corner with a megaphone. It's not talking. It's saying, let your light shine. What is in you, let people see it. Don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Don't be ashamed of it. But let what is in you be seen to others. Because it will impact them and they will see, they will begin to glorify God through that. This is like easy, you know. It's just like coming alive to say, man, I am free. God's done some stuff in my life. Yeah, he's still at work. But God's done some stuff in my life. He's amazing. He's loved me. He's set me free. He's he's broken off uh, some bondages and baggage that I used to carry from my past. And now I'm free. Listen, there's something powerful about people, and attractive, about people that are comfortable in their own skin. It's not through what we've done, but it's through what he's done in us. That we could say, man, I love who I am. I love what God's doing in me. I'm, I'm free enough to care about you, and you, and you. I'm free enough to go and serve you, and be generous. I'm free enough to make a difference outside of me. When we become so introspective and focused on our brokenness and our pain, we can't see it around us. But there's something powerful that I noticed, is when we begin to serve others, God begins to take care of what's inside of us. When we begin to look at the needs of others, God begins to heal up the broken stuff inside of us. And so he's saying your salt, your light, it's purpose to do something um, outside of you. And, and so I have three, just probably there's a hundred different um, effects of this abundant life, but I have three right now because I only got a few minutes that I want to share with you left. But what happens is um, when we encounter God, we are changed, not just in a spiritual sense, but in a real sense. Mary Magdalene, the Bible says, she, had, uh, she was a woman that had seven evil spirits or demons, And she got free. Now, this woman was amazing. She was the first person at the resurrection tomb. Now, you tell me from being this demon possessed, she was probably ugly in the sense of her personality and her bitterness and her anger and her hatred. But she became this woman that all of a sudden became the first messenger that Jesus was risen from the dead. I mean, you want to talk about transformation, Peter, Peter goes from this loudmouth disciple to this guy who's denying Jesus to all of a sudden the spirit comes on him and he's preaching his first ever message and 3,000 people come to Jesus. Listen to me. His his presence transforms us. And when we're different, uh, you know, when we're different, when we've been touched by God, that's a peace. The expression of that is a peace of the abundant life. Do you understand this? It's a piece of the abundant life. In Isaiah 61, we get a beautiful picture of this. Isaiah 61 was actually quoted by Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And he begins to talk about um, who God has, um, what, what his purpose was. It was, it was uh, referenced. Let me just find the passage here. Sorry about this. It was referenced in Isaiah 61, and Jesus begins to declare that as his purpose. He said the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me. Because the lord has anointed me. This is what Jesus's purpose. It really if if you want to if you want to just um, tap into what I believe theologically, it's now our purpose. So the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me. He's anointed me to pro- proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Can I tell you something? Uh, our God is so amazing. He He cares about the brokenhearted. He cares about the hurting. He cares about the wounded. He cares about those who have been, been abused and those who are, are, are crushed under people's feet because of Uh, you know the pride of man because of this pursuit of power he cares about them but look at what it goes on to say there Uh, to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who grieve in zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty so here's these people jesus is saying here's these people and they start off extremely broken they're captives they're blind to the things of god they're far from god they're wounded, they're hurting. And this is what he says. He says, "I'm going to bestow on them I'm going to put on them Okay, I'm just struggling finding the passage again here. comfort all whom mourn, provide for those who grieve inside, to put to bestow on them a crown of beauty. This speaks of the transformation that I'm talking about. The abundant life is to take someone who's been wounded, hurting, and broken, and take them to a place of uh, putting them, making them beautiful inside and out, making them, um, you know, heal, bringing them to a place of healing, of being hopeful, um, of, of having purpose again. Do you understand this? To bestow on them the crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. It's totally a 180, a flip, from what they were, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And now look at what happens. Not only does he take them from that place that they were and uh, bring complete healing and restoration to their hearts, but then it is, the, it is they that now begin to do the same for others. It says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields. And you will be called priests of the Lord. Who's going to be called priests of the Lord? These broken, hurting, downtrodden people that society would say is worthless. You're going to be called priests of the Lord because of what he's done in you. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Come on. It is time to live. Listen, we are, not, we, are, we are no longer to be walking around as zombies, people that are, are dead. Oh, I just had to lose my personality. I just had to lose who I am, my uniqueness. I had, to, I had to set aside all that to become a Christian. No, he gave you that, and he wants you to live in this world to help bring people to the place that are, who were broken to a place of healing. It's time for the church to arise, to wake up and say, I've got something to offer. It's that time. It's that time, church. We've got something powerful to offer. And this comes through this being transformed by God. Like, we're, we're no longer orphans. We're sons and daughters. I wish I could talk more about that. We're no longer people who don't belong. People that are cast off, that are rejected, that don't matter, that are unimportant. We are sons and daughters. He said said of Jesus, which he would say of us, this is my son with whom I love. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. This is how God sees us. He's positioned us up high. He said uh, that we've been seated at the right hand of God. Come on. It's amazing. As a follower of Jesus, we're not uh, just walking zombies. We are alive in Christ, and we are meant to sprinkle flavor and goodness and be attractive to the world around us. They've got to see it. They've got to see it. We can't hide it anymore. They've got to see that through the goodness of God, I'm able to be free and to be me. I'm able to love people well. I'm able to bring about change and impact. Wherever I go. And this is the kind of church that's alive. This is the kind of church that is living in the abundant life. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I ask that you just continue to transform us and cause us to see us the way you see us. Lord, today, Father, I believe from the bottom of my heart that you're, that you're breathing fresh life upon your church. You're breathing fresh life, newness. Father, and that with every person in this room, you're reminding, Father, you're reminding us of your goodness. And Father, if we've not been walking in the fullness of this life that you came to offer, God, today, Lord, we come and we say, God, we recognize that there's perhaps aspects of who we are that have not been fully changed to be walking in that life to the full that you've made available to us. Maybe you, when you leave church, you go home and you're the same old person to your family that you used to be, not representing any change, any transformation. I would challenge you time to live maybe in your workplace you're just you're just part of the crowd you're just no one could you wouldn't stand out in a crowd at all you just mix right in you blend right in it's time to live it's time to live it's time to let the goodness of god flow out of us it's time to let the things that he's done for us be evident in our attitude in our personality in our actions and so today father i just thank you Students, don't hide that light under a bushel basket. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let people see who God is in you. Don't be afraid. As we go out into our community, they're going to see this light, Lord. We're going to bring this salt, just flavoring, adding flavor everywhere we go. And so, Father, today we thank you, God. We say have your way, God. Lord, even by your spirit, I ask that you just begin to speak to us about how we've hidden what you've done. And Father, in that time we will repent. We'll say, God, I've, I'm sorry. I I've I've been ashamed in that area. I've hidden what you've done from people. The people who need to see it. I've I've covered it up. And so today, Father, we choose, Lord. We choose, Lord, to let the goodness of God, come out. (laughs) Be seen and be real to others, Lord. We bless you today, God. And Father, in each personal context, I pray that by your spirit, you would make it real. You would make this real, that we would come to life, that we would be alive in Christ wherever we go. And I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. At the end of every service, we have people that would love to pray for you if you have any need whatsoever. Um, They'll be here. Otherwise, we love you. Have a great Sunday.